Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of the songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. Hi, I'm Dave. I want to thank you for the listen. I've missed you the past couple of months. We start season three today, and I'm so excited about season three. We've got so many great guests lined up for you to make a connection with. And today, oh, you know, we're so honored. Uh, Let me get right to it and tell you that she's a songwriter, okay? (laughs) A singer. And I'll tell you, probably one of the most recognizable voices in country music history. Her career in songwriting and singing has spanned six decades. She's you know, and I can remember from my Ryman uh, days, uh, touring the Ryman in the Women <laughs> of Country Room, there are four uh, female artists that have been members of the Grand Ole Opry for 50 years. Most recently, Dolly, but there's also mm-hmm. Connie Smith and Loretta Lynn and our guest today. She was the first woman to host the Grand Ole Opry. So she really helped to blaze the trail for ladies out there in country music. She was the first to interview stars backstage for broadcast. And she still broadcasts today on Sirius XM. You can hear her uh, on Willie's Roadhouse every Sunday. Uh, she's with us today. She's also an actress and uh, a, 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 an author. And it's just our honor to have on our podcast, sitting around our Duncan Fife dining room table, <laughs> Miss Country Soul is our guest. Welcome, Jeannie Seeley. Thank you so much. No wonder I'm tired. (laughs) I just heard all that that you said. Uh, But you're as beautiful as ever. Oh, goodness. Thank you. I have been so blessed. I really have uh, to see so many of my dreams come true. And, you know, I was thinking as you were reading those off, I was told one time, said, there's no telling how far you would have gone if you'd ever decided exactly what you wanted to be when you grew up. Well, I'm still trying to decide, you well, know. You're, you're good in so many different areas. That That is a blessing. Yeah. It really is. Well, actually, that to me, I believe success is, is doing what you want to do and where you want to do it. And I've been very fortunate. My dreams were... Uh, to do exactly what I'm doing and to do it my way on mm-hmm. my terms. And so I've never wanted into the heavy management and all that because that wasn't my goal. My goal was to do a little bit of all the things I enjoy and still be able to enjoy my home life. You to follow your passions, and, and that mm-hmm. is success. It really is. I it agree. Exists. There's so many things I want to talk to you about, but I, th- this is about songs and the stories behind them. Can I start with a song that's been one of my all-time favorites? Uh, since I've been doing country music, um, this song has never gotten old for me. And we're taking the version from your latest record, an American Classic. So this is a new version of this great song, Don't Touch Me. Uh, can I play that? Is sure. that okay? Can we yeah. start with that? Absolutely. Okay. Jeannie Seely on the Songwriter Connection podcast. Your hand is like a torch. Each time you touch me, mm-hmm. the If you don't love me 
a wonderful song. Jeannie Seely, our guest on the Songwriter Podcast, and we appreciate you listening. Jeannie, that is, uh, like I said, one of those songs that just never gets old to me, and I'll tell you what, working at the Ryman, I used to work in that record booth, and right next to it, we had a video, and in that video, you're singing that song. Oh, and, really? And every time you'd walk by, you'd stop, there she is, you know, like it is so... Well, I've always felt very fortunate to get that song. There's a neat story behind that song, too. Yeah, yeah. well, um, actually, I was on the road with Porter Wagner at that time, and um, Hank was in Indianapolis. Indianapolis We're talking about Hank Cochran, who's one of the great songwriters. Yeah, he was up there with a bunch of other songwriters doing something. But anyway, he had the idea, and he called me and said... uh, what do you think about this? And told me the first verse. Well, he had me at the first line. I oh, yeah. love that opening line of oh. that song. Whether you're saying it to somebody or you're hearing it from somebody, that line just grabs you. But anyway, I told him I really liked it. And so back then you could grab an air, a flight in 30 minutes if you wanted to, you know. So... Um, he flew to, we were in Rochester, New York, and Hank got on a flight and flew up there, and we finished writing it in my dressing room. Really? And uh, the next morning, he called my room, and he said, I think I wrote a smash last night. Tell me you remember it, because <laughs> Hank had been pretty far into the scotch bottle at that time. <laughs> and I said, oh, yes, I remember it very mm. well, so... Yeah, uh, 
but a lot of people want it. Actually, he was on a flight when he left there with uh, Buck Owens, and he was telling Buck about it, and yeah, Buck wanted the song. But yeah. uh, I heard that Buck really wanted that song, and you know, yeah. I, to this day, I can't imagine Buck singing that song. No, I can't either. It's so much more powerful from from a woman's point of view, I think. You know. Well, yeah, I think it from either though. Ray Price did a great version of it, and. Uh, that was the thing when we were looking for songs. Hank said, what do you want to sing? And I said, well, I want a ballad that gives me room to to express me. And I wanted to, to have something to say. I liked the fact that it was different from what they were making most women sing then, where well, you can go do anything wrong you want to and come home and I'll always be here. Right. This isn't what she was saying, and it was no threat. She just simply said, "If basically, if this isn't the real thing, I don't even want to go there. I don't want any part of it. Mm. And I liked that. That's what I wanted to say. Wow. And I also told him I wanted to, a song that everybody could identify with it, whether they were married or single, male or female, Mm -hmm. young, old, it didn't matter. And uh, he said, boy, you don't want much, do you? (laughs) I said, I want a hit song, and you know how to write them. Mm -hmm. And that song went to the top of the Billboard charts, but there's other charts that had it number one, and that crossed over, too, to the pop charts. Right. So, um, yeah. I did. Well, you know, and you mentioned not getting tired of hearing it. I've always felt so fortunate because I would have hated to hit on a novelty song and have to sing something like that every night for like, you know, it's been almost 60 years I've been singing this now. (laughs) So 56, 57 for sure. You feel the same way? Never gets old? No, uh, yeah. it's, if you notice through the years, it's changed some, some of it, I wasn't even conscious that it that I'd changed the arrangement. Mm-hmm. I just put myself in that position again and sing it however I sing it that night. It's just delivering how I feel. But gotcha. I'm so grateful that I have that great piece of material to be my signature song. That's fantastic. I was able to learn so much from Hank as a writer. And you were married at one time. We were. Mm-hmm. Um, we were married for... Oh, 14 years, I 14 guess, years. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I've always joked and said, yeah, the the good times were Hank, with Hank were some of the best times of my life. The bad times were absolutely the worst times <laughs> of my life. But mm-hmm. that was a roller coaster ride, but, uh, but a, a great ride, too. And, of course, I helped raise three boys that Hank had that, are still a joy to me. I still am mm-hmm. in touch with them. Very, very nice. Very blessed. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, are you still the only Opry star from Pennsylvania? I thought I saw that somewhere. Um, one of the guys in Diamond Rio, Gene Johnson, is up, up there. Is he? Okay. Um, and, of course, Del McCurry lived in York, Pennsylvania, for a long time. I okay. don't think he was born there, but he lived up there for a long time. But Mm. Yeah, I think other than that, I'm the only one. And the reason is, I was born in Buffalo, New York, okay? And then my Uh my parents, um, we moved to uh, west side of Cleveland when I was just Mm -hmm. a baby. And there were a lot of trips, you know, through Erie (laughs) to Buffalo. And there were times I remember meeting cousins and uncles uh, to play um, a weekend of golf at Cross Creek, which is in Titusville. Oh, yeah. So when I saw you were born in Titusville, I know that town. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's yeah. where, kind of where the oil industry started in the mid-1800s in the U.S. here anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. You grew uh, up there? Yeah, uh, Jack and I worked for a week at Cross Creek Country Club one time. Yeah, wow. and a uh, funny story about that it was in the winter. And so after we threw with the show, we went out snowmobiling. I can oh, say fun. that if I try. <laughs> and uh, Jack um, wrecked his, and he went over the the windshield Ooh, of no. the uh, snowmobile and actually broke his wrist. Oh, so here he is. And we hadn't even, we were worried about his wrist being broken mm-hmm. and didn't pay attention to his voice. Are you talking about Jack Green here? Yes. Okay, Jack Green. I'm sorry. You, great, yeah. great duet. Thank you. Yeah. But anyway, we hadn't paid any attention to whether or not he could sing or not and realized we went in that night he couldn't talk. He couldn't oh, really? I mean, he could barely talk. He couldn't sing. And he had hit his throat oh. on the windshield as we went over the snowmobile. Oh. So that was a time, man, trying to uh, get. Mm. <laughs> and we had to cut the sleeve of his shirts and his jackets to get his cast through there and we used to laugh the boys in the band and I, we took all of us to get him dressed and we'd set him down on the front seat of the the bus like you did a kid and say sit there till showtime don't do anything so we could go on and get set up and your career with Jack was just amazing. You guys really tra- changed things in the industry of how uh, shows were packaged and, yeah. and uh, moved around, right? Well, that um, was kind of a trend at the time mm-hmm. of um, known male artists, known female, and a duet team to put a show together. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a great advantage for um, promoters because they got the unit all in one contract, one deal, mm-hmm. and also great for the fans, you know. So we had a great following. Yes, you did. But there were several, like Porter and Dolly, Bill and you, Jan. You were Porter's uh, partner before Dolly, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just for a brief time, because don't touch me here, you then. know. And I had so many opportunities, and I hated to leave. I really okay. did. And yeah. Porter was pretty upset with me for a while because. <laughs> It's it's hard to reorganize your group and yeah, find the is. right mm-hmm. person. What works on stage and what works off stage, especially all of you traveling on a bus. You've mm-hmm. got several personalities. You got to get along and got to work it out. So he wasn't real happy with me, and <laughs> it was like. But then you know we we certainly. It all turned out because Porter and I were very close in the following years. But yeah. you yeah. know, um, I read somewhere that, like at the age of four, you were tuning the family radio to the Grand Old Opry on WSM. Yeah, couldn't <laughs> read. A big Opry fan, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I still am. Yeah, um, yeah. I couldn't read, of course, but. <laughs> Yeah. I I memorized everything wow. from my mother said I would see something and boy I just never forgot it. Now was was country a thing in, in Titusville in the area oh, where you yeah. grew? Yeah, big. Titus and Pennsylvania yeah. period's always been yeah. a very big country yeah. music state. So how how old were you when you decided you're going to write your first song? I started um I was probably about 10 or so yeah. when I always wrote um, of course, we lived way out in the country, you know, mm. too. But I remember some of my first things was writing a 
a little verse from my mother for Mother's Day oh, or for her birthdays or hmm. whatever. You know, I'd write a, I'd write her card. Always make up something. I wish I had some of oh, them. Oh, I bet. But, you know. Yeah. So, did you play an instrument then at that time? Um, was it most lyric or we tried with the mandolin. In fact, there's a picture of me somewhere. My brother with the guitar and me with the mandolin, and oh. it's it's hilarious to look at it. But and then I learned some chords on the guitar, but I never did like that. Mm. I play a little bit of piano, just enough to write with or to try to rehearse with. Okay. Until I get to chords I don't know, and then I call on the pros and say, <laughs> I hear this chord, where is it what going? What is that chord? Sometimes yeah. you hear that chord, you what is that chord? Yeah, yeah. yeah. get them to show me. Now, there's a song. You're up for um, a song of the year for the Arkansas Country Music Association. Yeah. And it's a great song. I want to play that next. Oh. And I'm rooting for you, even though that I have... I've been working with and writing songs with uh, a lady named uh, Pamela Hopkins, who is mm-hmm. up for Entertainer uh, oh. of the Year and Female Vocalist of the Year and Album of the Year, and I'm so excited. Uh-huh. But I'll be rooting for you. This is a great song called Yours, and uh, tell us about this one. This was written in the <laughs> 80s, right? It was. Um, and Diane Berry was playing guitar and singing harmony with me and my band at that time, so we were doing the demo on all these songs, and I got to thinking, I was listening to her, and I thought, this needs a softer voice than mine. So I asked her if she'd like to do the demo on it. So she did, and it came off so well, and she said, would you hold this song for me for a while and let me see if I can get a record deal? Mm. So I held it, and of course nothing happened with her, but then life happened, and Mm. I simply forgot the song. And I had done it on a television show, and Danny Davis plays bass for me, had seen it. And he called me and said, why aren't we doing this song at the Opry? I love it. <laughs> so I had it on my list to do, start doing again and to go in the studio and record myself because I hadn't done it. And Diane called me one day, and she said, I want you to hear something. <laughs> and she played me their duet on it. Oh I was my. blown away. I, it's just... Not uh, even knowing she was going to no, do it. No, wow. didn't know. And that's Joe Wade uh, Smith who sings uh-huh. it with her. And this guy's voice. Yes. First time I heard his voice, I'm like, oh, it's like uh, Merle meets Lefty. I mean, it's just, it's so... Uh, yes, it's very it, rich. Well, let's just play it. Okay, okay. And we'll thank you. This is called Yours, written by Jeannie Seeley, and it's up for the Arkansas Country Music Association Song of the Year, and you're going to know why. There it is. Someone's plans Someone 
Songwriter Connection is the podcast. Our guest is Jeannie Seeley, who wrote that song. Uh, and it's, it's sung by Joe Wade Smith and uh, Diane Berry. More with Jeannie in just a little bit. Got to take a little break, but would, stay with us. we got lots more to talk about. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Songwriter Connection, connecting with music makers and hearing their songs and stories. Now back to the show with your host, Dave Linehan. Jeannie Seely is our guest and uh, so much to talk to you about. And uh, we've been talking a lot about songwriting. You had an album recently that you were telling me about um, where it's, it's songs that you have written that other artists recorded, not necessarily mm-hmm. you. Tell us about that project. Yeah, and I'll make sure you get that. I think you would appreciate it, especially since your show is directed at songwriters. 
I realized, well, actually, Eddie Stubbs is the one who kept telling me, you've written all these songs that other people have done. He said, you know, people are interested to hear the writer, how the writer would do them. I think so, yeah. So that started, and I'd also mentioned to Kenny Sears, who plays fiddle with me, I said, I'm thinking about going back in the studio. I need to start looking for some songs. And Kenny said, why don't you look in your closet? (laughs) <laughs> and so I had mentioned to him what Eddie said. So that's what came up with it. It's called Written in Song. Wow. And there's 14 songs on there that I've recorded. I believe it's 11 members of the Country Music Hall of Fame mm-hmm. now that have recorded my songs. That's since, fantastic. Uh, Including since, the Fair and Young hit, the big Yeah, and yeah. since uh, Hank Williams Jr. is the most recent one, mm-hmm. he recorded yep. one of mine way back Did when he? he was still r- recording real country stuff. Wow. A song wow. Glenn Martin and I wrote called She's a Name Dropper, ah. and now she's dropping mine. <laughs> I love it. What a look. <laughs> That's fantastic. Where do you get the ideas from, Jeannie? How do you, oh, what is I, the Jeannie style? I don't know where some of them come from. Some of them were written by real life experiences that leaving and saying goodbye was mm-hmm. it was the big one time yeah. during a very troubled time with hank and uh so i had tried to leave and i it just you know that was a failure at that too you know mm-hmm. but i i remember saying you know saying you're leaving's a whole lot easier than actually doing it you know wow. and so that's where that came from but so many of the songs, um, the one that Dottie West and I wrote um, called uh, He's All I Need. And mm-hmm. uh, Dottie was working in Vegas, and she called me, and she said, everything's going great out here. But she said, I just miss girlfriend time. She said, why don't you fly out and spend some time with oh, me? Wow. So I did, and uh, we were sitting there talking, and she <laughs> For a while, I felt like I was running the Dottie West School of Musicians <laughs> for her because I think there were three members from my group that ended up with Dottie. But I wow. was always for any time any of my musicians could find a better job. I mean, that's what we all do. So I was happy for them because I always knew there was another musician out there who needed the opportunity to work with me so that's just how it was that is so great that you were like that you know we had uh in season one we had uh willie ackerman's son you probably knew willie uh, drummer yes i did uh trey is a songwriter around and he told a story that you know he traveled with farron young for years and farron had told willie one day and I, I love this story he told him he said um you know, you can make a lot more money as a studio musician. Right. You're in great demand. And he goes, ah, Farron, I'm, you know, I'm loyal to you, man. You, you, you hired me and I'm, I'm with you. And he said, in that case, you're fired. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and he went that's, on to triple yeah. his income. So, right. Yeah. So but anyway, cool. yeah. yeah, Dottie and I were sitting there talking about that. And she said, Jeannie, did you find another guitar player that mm-hmm. you're happy with? And I said, yeah, and I was talking about the guitar player. I said, well, he's not uh, Bobby Whitten, but he's all I need. <laughs> and we both looked at each other at the same time, and she <laughs> reached for the guitar, <laughs> and I reached for the legal pad, oh, and yeah. we wrote, 
He's not all you were, mm. but he's all I need. Great song. So Look that one up too and play that. Yeah. Oh, man, that's fantastic. And you uh, and Dottie were such good, good friends. Yes. Yeah. yeah, she. Mm-hmm. We always called each other our three o'clock in the morning friend because mm-hmm. that one. If you need to talk to somebody at three o'clock in the morning, she would always listen and vice versa. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. a lot of times she would call me when she'd be on the road, you know, and finally get through with everything and get either back on the bus or the hotel room or whatever and mm-hmm. call. So so tragic when we lost her. Uh and you, um, I, had, I thought I had read or, or seen that you put the cross up. That's as yes. you get off to get on the mm-hmm. uh, where the Opry is. Uh, as you get off the exit of Riley Parkway and you're heading toward the Opry Mills mm-hmm. area, uh, there's a cross. Uh, That's where the accident happened, where yeah. we lost her. Yeah, running late for the Opry, and of course, Ugh. Dottie Tragic. was always running late, <laughs> and she. She would make me a nervous wreck, and when I was with her on several things, I'm like, Dottie, are you looking at what time it is, you know? (laughs) But anyway, and uh, at her funeral, uh, we were sitting there, and we're waiting, (laughs) and uh, I leaned up to Jan Howard, and I said, you don't suppose, and she said she is already late for, because we always said Dottie will be late for her own funeral, <laughs> and she yeah, was. and she was. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my my <laughs> so I know she was up there laughing at Jan and me. <laughs> Great story. You know, I wanted to ask you, because I used I worked at the Ryman. I started as a tour guide just, just for a couple of years, and I loved it. I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that would walk in the Ryman, even to this day, I get goosebumps, you know? Uh-huh. And I walk up to that stage, and I touch that stage and try to imagine who was singing on that. You know, the first three feet of that stage is the old Opry boards uh, from uh-huh. back in the day when the Opry was there. And so, you know, touch that, and you kind of imagine who, who might have stepped on, on that those boards, you know. So that's the kind of guy I am, and I'm really into the, the history of recorded music. So... You've been a member for going to be fifty five years here. In, yes, sir. coming up, right? Uh-huh. Tell me about that first moment. It was at the Ryman, right? That you debuted sixty six mm-hmm. or seven. Yeah, um, I think Ron Harmon told me it was May twenty eighth, nineteen sixty six. It was okay. that last weekend of May. I know after uh, after Don't Touch Me, it hit. Yeah, okay. In sixty six, that I made my first. So, so what was it like? A, a girl that as a little child would tune to the Opry before she could read to actually play on that stage. It must have been. Well, it was really, keep in mind, too, that even though I'd listened to the Opry my whole life, I had never attended the Opry until I was on it. I had never even seen it. So a double thrill. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I had seen the Ryman when I came back to cut a demo session in 60, because I had left Pennsylvania was living in Southern California, in L.A. area. Mm-hmm. So, but I'd never been, I never had a ticket. I never sat out front and watched the Opry. So all of a sudden, I mean, um, <laughs> not just performing out there too, but in the backstage area, all of a sudden I'm shoulder to shoulder with some of my heroes that I had never even seen in person. Wow. It was just totally unreal. And, uh, Anyone strike you the most when you when you saw them? Well, of course, Ernest Tubb uh, mm-hmm. was one of my heroes, and he was so big during World War II mm-hmm. when I was a child, you know. <laughs> and uh, I used to 
you know, know all of those songs. I had no idea what Rainbow at Midnight or any of those <laughs> songs were about, but <laughs> I sang them as a little kid. So, yeah, Ernest was very wow. much somebody I wanted to meet, and I did get to meet him before at That's the Opry. Cool. But Who brought you out that day? Remember? Um, I think it was Stoney Cooper. Stoney Cooper. Okay. And um, Wilma Lee and Stoney Cooper. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So what did it feel like? I mean, it was what, wonderful. You, that you must have been just, nervous. Just, yeah, I was very nervous, <laughs> you know. But like I said, just totally overwhelmed. Truthfully, I, I hardly remember. I do remember the night I was became a member. Hmm. I had flown my parents down, and I had in my mind what I was gonna that I was gonna introduce them and mm-hmm. what I was gonna say about them. I got out there and somebody hit an A chord and I just started to <laughs> sing your hand, you know. <laughs> and uh, then, thank goodness, uh, they gave me an encore. So I, when I went back out, I had my head together enough to acknowledge my parents and all of that. Oh, but cool. Very nice. Yeah, you know, somebody was talking, asked me recently about, so what does it feel like to you, um, to step into the circle and I just looked at him and I laughed I said well (laughs) you got to remember the circle was the floor of the Ryman stage when I went there so and I've always yeah I've always (laughs) cut and I cover the stage you know but I cut a little circle out of the back uh left hand side if you were standing on stage and it was Roy that d- decided that, Roy Acuff, wasn't it? That we would bring a part of the Ryman to the new Opry mm-hmm. House. And that's the circle today that they yeah. all stand in and sing. So. And it does mean, I joke about it, but it does mean a lot. First of mm-hmm. all, it means so much that that someone thought to do that. Yeah. That had that reverence for it and realized the importance of it. Because... I probably wouldn't have. I mean, I'm so glad they did. And there are certain songs that I sing, and like I said, I work the entire stage. Mm-hmm. And um, But there are certain songs that I sing that I make sure I'm in that circle. Wow. And one of the most recent ones was the song that uh, I recorded on the new album, if you could call it that, was the song that Dottie had started writing. And um, so I make sure that I end up in that circle when I sing that because I feel like she's sharing it with me. You know, this is an amazing story, and I wanted to get to that. I mean, um, this was a song that Dottie started writing right, but didn't finish, Mm -hmm. and then... Tell me the rest of that story. And it's on this new record, an American classic. Yeah. Um, and I'll play it. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Ron Harmon, uh, who is like my adopted little brother. I don't, I wouldn't have any website or anything without <laughs> Ron, but um, he had some of Dottie's memorabilia and he was going through it in this journal and he saw that and it just struck a chord with him. It's like this mm. need, this is wonderful. This needs Spanish. So he took it to Bobby Tomberlin, who then called. Great song, right? um, yes, but he called uh, Steve Warner in because Steve, of course, worked and spent more time with Dottie to make sure they could get the essence of what Dottie would have written. I truly, truly think they did. They captured it. Huh? I, it yeah, I do. I think they, the entire feel of it. 
What was so funny, too, and I, I don't know how I would have felt if they'd have given that song to anybody else first, you know. Yeah. Somebody needs to go on and record it again. But um, uh, one of the things that was funny is that in that journal, on the inside cover of that journal, she had Jeannie Seeley, 8247011, which uh-huh. was my number back then. So she really had, yeah. Was right. So we said that was meant to be. That's what she meant by that. And I love the fact (laughs) that you sing it in the circle when you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I share that with her. So this is Jeannie. uh, That song that we're talking about from uh, the most recent record, which is called an American classic, and it really is a great record. So let's listen to it. This is uh, the song that Dottie started, and Steve Warner, Bobby Tamerlane finished up, and it's Steve Warner joining it on, uh, joining on this one. Right. Yeah. And then at work I hear 
Great song. From an American classic, the Jeannie Seeley record, uh, her most latest. And, and Jeannie, that is a special song. I can almost hear Dottie West singing that, you know? Yeah, we yeah. all can. Yeah. I think she's smiling. Mm-hmm. she got to be happy for that. You right? know, I was so honored they asked me to sing Here Comes My Baby uh, at the medallion ceremony when she was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame and I was standing backstage, you know, that's a very daunting room. <laughs> when mm. you look out there, everybody out there's in the Hall of Fame or heavy powers in the business, and I was a little bit nervous. And then all of a sudden I thought, you know, this isn't about me. This is about Dottie, mm-hmm. and I'm getting to finish something she started. Oh. Had she not lost her life, Dottie would have made that journey into the Hall Herself, And yeah. so I felt all of a sudden just felt very calm. And it's like, let's go do this for Dottie. I'm going to bring it up. <laughs> You're not in the Hall of Fame. And there is a push right now for it. <laughs> I've seen it on Facebook everywhere. Yeah. Um, why? How do you, I cannot fathom that fact yeah. right now. Well, you know, there are so many. My My thinking on it, truly, I wish they would change this. The industry has grown, and yeah. and to get even caught up, let alone stay even, they need to add more people every year. I agree. And yeah. uh, there's so many people so deserving. I, of course, would just absolutely be thrilled beyond words to, to be able to join my peers there. And, and if it happens, I'd like very much for it to happen while... I'm still healthy enough to yes. participate in things and use that as a platform, if you will, to be able to tell people to follow your dreams. Don't ever give up. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, that we sometimes get to a point where you think, well, I'm just going to give up on it. But mm. um, that would Don't be ever. me, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was joking about I have my star in the walkway across the street. Yeah. And I said, I wonder if they're ever going to let me cross the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right directly across. Yeah, yeah. right. So. But it would be a tremendous thing, and I'd like to be there. Uh, I'd like to be more than a plaque on the wall. I would, too. Is there uh, anything the fans can do to help? I mean, get on that push uh, from Facebook? or I guess right to write Country them. Music Association. Yeah. Hopefully they listen to the fans. We do. I think it's going to happen. I well, think it will. It's got oh, to. Thank you, Dave. You, you, des- you deserve it. You, you should be there with all your friends. You know, uh, I remember working, uh, I loved working at the Ryman. And uh, there was a big picture of, I want to say, the class of uh, 64 of the Opry. And um, the joke the, 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 was that it was always a challenge. We'd say people would be looking uh, at that picture, picking out all the stars. And uh, and I'd always say, can you pick, didn't you find Willie Nelson there? And nobody could because it was the days before the beard <laughs> yeah. and the long hair. And he's wearing a brown suit. And finally you point it out and they go, oh, yeah, I, <laughs> I can see that. Because there was a time he was not right. It was just one year, wasn't it? Because uh, Nashville couldn't figure out what to do with Willie. No. But I know you guys are really, really close, huh? Yeah. Um, Willie has always fascinated me mm-hmm. as, as a person, as a singer, and as, certainly as a writer. Yeah. And... uh I remember we all worked out of Pamper Music. I was very fortunate when I came to be where I was to be able to be around uh, 
Hank and Willie and Harlan and Ray mm. Price and best songwriters uh, Roger in the world. Miller. You yeah, know, artists. Some of the best, you yeah, know, to yeah. learn from. But I remember one thing Willie told me one time. He said, you need to work on your diction. Because he said, and he kind of winked at me and said, there's no sense in us staying up all night writing song lyrics if nobody hears what we're saying. Mm, important. So I've passed that on to and young people if I think they're going to listen to me and not be offended because it changed the world for mm. me and I, yeah. I've i been so glad because I've had people say I love listening to you talk or listen to your records because I can understand what you're saying So you know, and, and that is important well, thank Willie Nelson for that <laughs> but you listen to Willie's diction is yeah. so good yeah. you don't ever That's have true. to wonder what he's saying you never you never have to know <laughs> now and you toured with Willie so you know, certainly yeah. after your accident things he, he really helped to get you back and going again right oh absolutely yeah. yeah um it it was a time i really needed that uh lift up if you will it was after jack and i had split the show and uh, i was trying to figure out how to regroup and go on by myself and that opportunity came up to open for willie on the fair dates and it really Really gave me a lift during that time, and you and were in Honeysuckle Rose too, yeah. right? With him, with, with the, you were in Honeysuckle Rose with him. The movie, yeah, I got to be yeah. in the movie. Yeah. I found out real quick too. Movie making's a lot of hard work. <laughs> I bet it is. I have a yeah. whole new respect for movie stars, you know, because <laughs> you're out there and it's hot and dusty, or it's cold, and it's <laughs> you know all hours of the day and night, depending on when you needed to film. But yeah. it was a wonderful experience. And so, yeah, and, you know, for um, Willie recorded a duet with me way back on one of my albums. We did a male and female version of Old Friends. And then, um, then, let's see, I was on an album that they did called All American Cowboys that he and I did, uh, You've Been Leaving Me for Years, one of my favorite oh. things I've ever recorded, period, was that. Powerful. Yeah, wow. great song. And, of course, Willie joined you on this new record, uh, the American Cla- an American classic. And right. uh, you guys did a duet. And tell me about this song. Well, I've loved this song. Um, Dallas Wayne wrote the song and recorded it. And I loved Dallas's version of it so much. And so when I thought about recording it, I I just thought you better learn this real quick and don't listen to Dallas anymore. You got to make this your <laughs> yes. own. So we started out with me doing it. Then when we heard that Willie want, wanted to do something on the album, because uh, I had done all this and I thought I told my husband I said I can't believe I'm on Willie's Roadhouse. I didn't even ask Willie <laughs> if he'd like to be a part of it. So yeah. anyway, he said, yes, what do you want me to sing? Well, um, I thought this would be good, and also I knew that Willie liked this song, too. So we sent it to him, and I loved when Dallas Wayne heard it. He said, I love the reading on this. He said, "You sound like it sounds like an intimate conversation between two old friends. Oh, that's and a, I loved that depiction. And yeah. then I listened to it. I thought, yeah, it really kind of does. 
Now, you you mentioned, so I'm, I'm, I want to plug, you do uh, a, a radio show on uh, Sirius XM. Yes. Sundays. Sundays with Seely. Sundays mm-hmm. with Seely. What a right. great name. I love it. <laughs> well, a friend of mine uh, actually named it. We didn't know what we were going to call it. And she uh, she posted on Facebook. She said, I've got my coffee pot on. <laughs> And my computer set to Willie's Roadhouse, and oh, yeah. my speakers on all over the house, and my Sunday paper. She said, "I'm set for Sundays with Seely," <laughs> and I'm like, "I like that." So that's, that's I great. mentioned it, kind of caught on, and I'm just really honored to have this show. And uh, it's been a challenge trying to learn to. Do what you do and so many on the other side of the microphone. But I'm loving the fact that I get a chance to interview some of my peers on the show as well. And weren't you one of the first to, to interview, first ladies to interview people backstage at, for broadcast on right. the Randall Opry, right? So, right. Yeah. Roxanne, she was Roxanne Russell then. Roxanne Atwood now was doing the Opry notes and mm-hmm. she did some things there but i was the first artist to that's cool female artist to very, do it very cool yeah there's a whole rabbit hole i'd like to jump in on that too <laughs> but i want to play this willie nelson uh and, and gene okay. steely track and yeah uh, he even adds a little guitar his signature guitar oh yeah trigger appeared <laughs> yeah, too trigger i appears. was so glad yeah. that's right so let's play it's called not a dry eye in the house and it's great it really is a great song gene mm-hmm. steely our guest on the songwriter connection podcast Got it. 
that's when I lose control There's not a dry eye in the house Since, Since you've been, been Isn't that a great song? Not a dry on the house. That is uh, Jeannie Seeley and Willie Nelson from the new record, An, An American Classic. And this album, is it's got so many great guests uh, along with you. Rodney Vincent, who's finally in the Grand Old Opry. Steve Warner, uh, Willie, Laurie Morgan, another good friend of yours mm-hmm. that we haven't had a chance to talk to uh, too much about. Vince Gill is on this record. Ray Stevens. Um, Waylon Payne, who's the son of Sammy Smith, right? And a, mm-hmm. and a great actor and singer. Uh, and of course, the Whites, which we're going to ex- examine the next <laughs> song. Uh, but yeah. before we go, you know, I, wanted, I wanted to talk, I wanted to ask you, um, you were such a trendsetter, uh, and you did, we, as I did the tours at the Ryman, we always would pause in the uh, Women of Country Room, and there's a beautiful portrait of you in there. And, um, we would talk about how, Women in country music over the years really haven't had a fair shake. And it, it's came, it, it's come to be a whole new controversy in the last couple of years, this tomato gate thing, uh, because some radio programmers said, you know, you season the ladies into the, the music that you choose. They're kind of the tomatoes. They're not the meat and potato. And, and uh, how offensive was that? Is, <laughs> well, are you find is it changing? Because uh, I know you blazed the trip. You were like the first to wear a mini skirt on the Grand Ole Opry, right? And that was yeah. frowned upon. Well, that, the relevance of that was just simply that I wore something different than what everybody else was wearing. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, I hadn't been there. And yeah. so I I had seen the pictures of all the girls and the gingham ruffles. The gingham, yeah. And I figured that's what they wanted to wear. <laughs> I didn't, so it never entered my mind to wear that. So in California, everybody was wearing the real short And that's where you came from before you came to Nashville. Yeah, so I had just come, so I didn't know, and I couldn't even believe when they were, (laughs) what are you saying to me, you know? It was your style. Yeah, I was like, is there, uh, was there a costume, you know, rule or something that i wasn't told about and it's like well no but just nobody's ever well anyway (laughs) but what happened was when i got away with that then the other girls were free to wear whatever they wanted to Mm -hmm. not necessarily many skirts but like um a lot of them went to like the sequins or or even pantsuits or whatever but that's what changed that was Seely got away with it. So uh, <laughs> did they, they say something? Did they come yeah, down on you for that? Uh, Mister Divine did. They just called me in the office to talk to me, and I didn't know what he was going to talk <laughs> about. And he stammered around so much. I'm like, "What are you trying to say?" I think once he started talking to me about it, he realized how silly it sounded. Mm. You know. So, but anyway, it was. Yeah. Just, and I loved his line. He said, "Well." Okay, but just try to hold it down. I'm like, <laughs> hold down the miniskirt. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are women getting a better uh, shake today? Uh, oh, I definitely respect, think? think so, yeah. yeah. And as far as like hosting the opera, that, that's been a source of pride for me that I yeah. could see 
Lori Morgan, Pam mm-hmm. Tillis, and that that generation after me coming in, walking out there with all the confidence in the world because they didn't. There was not an issue. They mm-hmm. had a right to be there, and they could go take their place and they've done a great job and i think of, of three recent members of the grand robbery ronda vincent mm-hmm. uh, lauren elena this past weekend right. and carly pierce right and carly yeah. you've kind of adopted her a bit haven't you yeah carly i've been watching her since her days in the shows at dollywood and, yeah. and later at country tonight theater extremely talented and very driven mm. and uh and her work ethic has always amazed me. And after she moved to Nashville, I actually moved in my neighborhood, and I would see her and a friend coming in with the guitars and Mm. working on writing. She works all the time. I worked worked in the Cincinnati radio for a lot of years, and she came from a small town just just over the river in Kentucky, Taylor Mill, Mill, Mm. Kentucky. And I so I've all, I've always just loved her and and yeah. her. So such good people too, yeah. and loves traditional. She mm. she's doing her era as she should, mm-hmm. but uh, she knows she knows traditional country music and loves it. She's That's great. As a definitely going to be carrying the opera into the next. That's good to hear. Eon, I hope. <laughs> Jeannie, I want to leave it uh, leave it with our uh, your latest single from that mm-hmm. same record we've been talking about, an American classic. Uh, so this is with the White Sharon and Cheryl, mm-hmm. and um, it's a song called "So Far So Far So Good," and it's kind of got that Western swing to it, doesn't it? With, it does. Yeah. It has that. Well, like I said, growing up in the '40s, the uh, early influence. My mother loved the big band swing sound, and I do to this day. And I tried to capture that feeling with um, today's Texas swing. Yeah. Of course, the whites are from Texas, so they got that part down. And uh, Mm. there was a part in there that uh, I always liked. I didn't know early on what they were doing. I just liked that sound of the vocal group where they would sing a unison line and then split to harmony. So I asked the girls if they would do that, oh, and that. they just, I mean, they the nailed great it. Blood it's harmony, so huh? great. Yeah. They're wonderful. Yeah. So this is the latest single, So Far So Good, Jeannie Steely, on the uh, podcast. Written, written by? Mitch Ballard and Penn Pennington. Darling, since we met, I don't regret one single step we've
latest from Jeannie Seeley, who has been our guest on this Songwriter Connection podcast. Great song with the white Sharon and Cheryl, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I can't begin to thank you for taking time out of your... You've got so many things happening in your career right now. You are so busy, but you took the time to, to spend uh, some time with us around the dining room table, and I certainly appreciate that, Jeannie. Well, this is part of what we enjoy doing. This mm-hmm. is why we do this. Thank mm-hmm. you for inviting us aboard this wonderful show and the emphasis you're putting on songwriters because oh, yeah. uh, it does all begin with the song. There's no question about that. It and certainly does. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much, and maybe we can do it again one day. I would love that. I hope we can. Thank you, Dave. Yes, and then the next time we're talking about your medallion. <laughs> ah, that would be nice. Thank you so much. All right, Jeannie, thank you.